All right, realestateagentsitrust.com. They're going to help you sell your house. They're going to help you sell your house for the most money. They're going to help you sell your house on time and, if you'd like, help you find a new house. If you're moving to a new area, who do you trust? How do you know uh, that somebody is going to have your sensibilities and understand the kind of neighborhood that you want to live in? When you say, (laughs) when we were looking at California... And I went out and I was looking around and I was talking to people about schools. Oh, no, the schools here are great. No, they're not. No, they're not. You have no idea. I'm coming from Texas. You have no idea what I even mean about that. Realestateagentsitrust.com. They will help you sell your home. They'll help you buy a new home. And you can trust them. All hand vetted by my team, all fans of the show. And they're the best in your area. Realestateagentsitrust.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. It's Wednesday. And the people are still in darkness in Venezuela. But you know who has plenty of light? Plenty of, plenty of stuff to eat? Maybe got up in the middle of the night, opened up their refrigerator, just stood there and looked at all of the choices. Hollywood. The people who did this to Venezuela, the people who championed socialism and Chavez and Maduro, they've got plenty of light. We take you into the heart of darkness and the heart of hypocrisy, Venezuela and Hollywood, as we begin the show in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. Feeling great again today. Thanks to Relief Factor. Uh, it is it is the best pain relief that you can possibly imagine. Uh, if at least it is for me. And 70% of the people who try it, they find the same kind of relief and they order month after month after month. I mean, if you're living in constant pain, if you're living with shoulder, neck, back pain that just won't go away... This is 100% drug-free. It's created by doctors. You try it and you take it three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, within three weeks, if you haven't seen some reduction in your pain, it's not going to work for you. And they're straight up with you. That's why they have you do it just for three weeks. Try it for three weeks. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month after month because it works. 1995, the three-week quick start. You can get it right now at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com, or you can call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384 or relieffactor.com. Imagine a darkness, something darker and scarier than the deepest parts of the ocean. Darker than that awful darkness of space, the darkness of night, a house shackled by darkness because there isn't any electricity and there hasn't been for months. But then again, that's not the dark I'm talking about. The real dark is the dark part that lives inside of you, the things that you now have to do on a daily basis just to stay alive. 
Around the corner, you hear the bestial shouts from a Caracas jail. The prisoners have taken over, at least that's what you hear. They feel they can do a better job of controlling themselves than whoever has been doing it lately. It was a hundred years ago that this country was lavished in wealth. Not too long ago, you too were rich. You were healthy in that chubby 19th century Russian diplomat way. You ate well. You probably ate too much. Black turtle beans and fried bananas, asado negro. You drool just thinking of the tender shredded beef and the carrot and oregano tinged broth. You strode through steakhouses on special occasions. You ate T-bones like a Texan. You, you drank Chilean wines, Malbec from Argentina. Occasionally, a glass of cognac. Not because you were drunk, but because you could. Because you enjoyed the sprouting goodness that life had to offer. Man, that life, it seemed like it was never going to end. Now look at yourself. You're a bag of bones. Bones jutting out like false teeth. At times, you think about all the energy you waste just breathing. What happened? Now you can barely afford a single egg. One egg. Eggs that fall out of the backsides of chickens, and I can't afford it? Your mouth quivers at the thought of a fried egg tender. So tender it pops open with just the prod of a fork oozing onto the fried papaya and rotisserie chicken. You've lost 120 pounds since it all started going to hell. And now, you're in it. Firmly. You weren't rich, you were middle class. Lower middle class, even. That's just how good things used to be. Although there was always the cinder block hovels that... You can see from the plane as you land in Caracas. But now it has spread. The office, where you used to work as an accountant, is now empty, abandoned, overtaken by squatters. People like you, who lost everything, who limp a little more each day toward their death. Men all in black now patrol the streets with shotguns black bulletproof vests and black tarp like shirts and black pants, black military boots. People hamper cars in the street because there's nowhere to go. Nothing to do. Gasping a bit, you rest below a crucifix statue, the left tilting head of Christ emblazoned in a soft and sad light, the burnished rise of daylight breathing into a new day. Looking at Christ, perhaps for the first time you understand suffering. You understand his defeated look the look of hopelessness and violence and death. The hopelessness of surrendering. And surrendering until it stops mattering. You hope. You have that one hope left that all things will change. But you really hope that just anything begins to change. It was all so promising at the beginning. Everybody was going to be able to live the high life. And now, only a handful are. And they are the ones that live behind the gates. This, you think to yourself, this is the socialist utopia they promised all of us as Venezuelans? As you 
sit there under the statue. You begin to replay it all in your mind and wonder, where are all those Americans, those celebrities, those from Hollywood that praised our leaders and helped convince us that this was the road to prosperity? I wonder what they're eating tonight. I have a feeling they're eating very well. This is the hypocrisy. This is why the media is an enemy of the people. Not because not because they're against Donald Trump or anything else, but because they will not tell you the truth. Where are the big, long specials on Venezuela and how it all happened? Where are the demands for the apologies from those who brought this socialism to Venezuela? I can tell you right now that if a capitalist country would implode and you had the very rich and the very elite of this grotesque capitalist system living the high life, taking the gold from the country currently, holding it hostage, forcing people to starve, fixing elections. I can guarantee you CNN would be there 24-7. They would be talking about it nonstop and saying, this is why we need socialism. But where is the media today? Where are the leaders today that will actually stand up and say, wait a minute, Hold it. We're all talking about socialism. Can we stop and look at what socialism has done? Can we just stop and ask a few people? Hey, Sean Penn, do you remember when you said this? He is one of the most important forces we've had on this planet. Él es una de las fuerzas más importantes que tenemos todos en este planeta. And I will wish him nothing but that great strength he has shown over and over again. I do it in love and I do it in gratitude. I just want to say that, that from my very American point of view of my friend President Chavez It is only possible to be so inspiring as he is, as a two-way street. Es eh, solamente es imposible no estar inspirado con su ejemplo. And he would say that his inspiration is the people. Hugo Chavez prays after the death of Hugo Chavez. Praise for the new bus driver, Maduro, who was one of the people who will be democratically elected. And he will continue this proud, proud tradition of Chavez. They will feed you a lie of fiction now that Chavez was doing it right. It was Maduro. Well, that falls apart in two places. One, 
The economy was already falling apart. Everything was falling into disrepair at the end of Hugo Chavez. And my greater point here is this is democratic socialism. You're going to elect somebody. He's going to be the greatest. He's going to bring Barack Obama. He gave us Obamacare. And as it starts to fall apart, the democratically elected successor has to pick up the pieces. And at some point, it gets so bad that one of these successors just has to stop the elections. They just have to stop these people because it's the people who are complaining that are causing all the problems. Where is Danny Glover today? Is anyone seen Danny Glover? Is he on television being asked, hey, how are you feeling about Venezuela now? Because you were a big supporter when you said things like this. Well, first of all, I consider the president, Hugo Chavez, my friend. And, and certainly uh, an ally about the things that I talk about in the world and that he talks about in the world. I to talk preciously about the country that I, people often consider me a descendant of and from Haiti. Haiti is something very special to me. And so when I talked to the president about Haiti, he understood there was a fundamental relationship that, that Latin America, and particularly Venezuela, and the Bolivarian Revolution had to Haiti. Haiti, otherwise known as Haiti, um, Danny Glover uh, will say, well, that I was talking. No, no, no. I was talking about Chavez. But here he is in 2014 giving a speech next to Maduro, supporting Maduro. So proud to be with you. Estoy muy orgulloso de estar con ustedes. As we commemorate and celebrate a true man of the people. Hugo Chavez. Poder celebrar a Hugo Chavez. His memory lives with us. Su memoria vive con nosotros. Él vive con nosotros. Through through the work that you do as citizens of this great nation, as you continue to realize his vision of a participatory democracy. One involving all citizens. También importante que a través de su pueblo realizó la democracia. In context, in context with its elected leaders, who are the stewards of this democracy. Fue un líder electo que pudo levantar la democracia real. It is. It is a task. That is very difficult, but a task that you are up to. Es una tarea muy difícil para lo cual ustedes están preparados también. It is a task with many challenges, but he knows that you will continue the fight that he gave his last breath for, a free, democratic, self-determining Venezuela. That's fantastic. If any of it were true, as he had his arm around Nicolas Maduro as he was saying it. If you think that the socialists really believe in a self-determining group of people, an exchange of ideas, 
then why are they silencing so many people today in America? Don't you see? This is they don't show up in black boots. They don't show up in 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 scary uniforms. Germany, they showed up in those black uniforms, but those weren't scary at the time. Those were sharp uniforms. They were designed by Hugo Boss. They instilled confidence in the people. They thought, oh, wow, look at them. I want to be a part of that. Now, only now, do you know what they really mean. And now those uniforms are frightening. They show up as friends. As Ronald Reagan said, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. The most frightening words anybody has ever spoken. If they truly are going to create a utopia where all of us can express ourselves, then why are they silencing us today? Why is that Noam Chomsky? Why is that Oliver Stone, Danny Glover, Sean Penn? You all should be held accountable for what you said. And I know you're going to have an excuse. Well, they just didn't do it right in Venezuela. They never do it right. Shame on you, Hollywood. And shame on you, American press. Where are you as people languish in the dark and starve? By the way, uh, we already have people on the ground at the border. They are trying through OUR to rescue the kids that are being taken from Venezuela. Uh, and sold into sex slavery. We have we are on the border of Colombia and Venezuela, and I would love to be able to have trucks and trucks and trucks and trucks of food that we can go and take in to Venezuela as soon as it falls or it is safe to bring in food. Um, please help us do that. We have the partners ready to go. We just need the funding. You can do that at mercuryone.org, mercuryone.org. Just um, please uh, donate now. Just go and donate at mercuryone.org. We will clean up the mess once again from Hollywood. Simply Safe Home Security, completely transforming home security industries while staying true to its founding ideals and values. They started with a young guy who was just trying to help his friends stop burglars from stealing their stuff. Now they are completely changing an entire industry and they're exploding because they don't gouge their customers and they have a great product. And when you see the price of the product, you're going to be so angry if you've ever had an alarm system before because you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I could have paid that in one payment. I could have paid that over two months. Are you kidding me? I've paid this for five years You've been ripped off, and you have much better protection just waiting for you now at simplysafebeck.com. SimplySafe uh, has a 24-hour security that monitors everything, uh, and that is uh, available for $14.95 a month, and it's uh, without a contract, so you can cancel it any time. You own the system. It's a revolution in the high-tech industry and in the home security systems. It's simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Save 10% at simplysafebeck.com. 10 seconds. Station ID.
Here's Oliver Stone supporting Chavez. I've dealt with iconic characters and, uh, and uh, let's say uh, I, I favor the underdog. So here is a man who's been picked on endlessly for years. And I, in that vein, I went there and I wanted to make it about the American media because we seek out enemies. America has got a certain paranoia since World War II that's gotten worse and worse and worse. And we find leaders in Iran, in Vietnam, and uh, in uh, Iraq. We created Hussein, uh, saying, and here we go in Venezuela. In 2002, we were much... If we had succeeded in Iraq, I do believe that Mr. Chavez would have been under even more pressure. Okay, stop. Let me go further. Uh, he, he, talks, he talks... Michael Moore talked about the lovely health care system in Venezuela. Let me show you a picture of an uh, operating room in Venezuela. Uh, this is what it looks like today. If you happen to be uh, listening on the radio, let me explain. It looks like a torture chamber with blood on the floor, blood on the walls. Uh, it looks like one of the dirtiest rooms. You you wouldn't you wouldn't sit in this room with your child. It would be child abuse. It would be mental abuse of you if you were locked in this room. It's it's a room that would drive you mad. It's a room that looks like it's out of a sequel to Saw. It does. It's like a, <laughs> it does. This is a movie you're trapped and chained to the wall and have to saw your own leg off to get Correct. out. That is a medical facility. And remember, this is what they said would be so great. Well, that doesn't happen under Maduro. This happens over a long period of time. We are throwing away. Did you just see that it was in Iceland? It wasn't Iceland. Uh, maybe it was. Fin- one of those Lins. countries. One of the uh, lands. One of the, yeah, one of the lands um, where they uh, have just gone to full government medical care. Changed absolutely everything. The government has now collapsed. Uh, the system has completely collapsed under its own weight. It doesn't work. There's not enough money. There's not enough money. Math makes a difference. Without math, no medicine. Without math, we missed the moon when we tried to go. Math is important. <laughs> You're listening to Glenn. Back. All right. Real estate agents, uh, uh, I trust. Real estate agents will uh, will show up at your house and they will make you all kinds of promises unless you have the right real estate agent, the one that can actually price your home at the right price, the one who has the experience in the neighborhood to set that price, the one that will instill trust with you and the people who are coming through your house. Uh, the real estate agent that knows how to advertise your sale. These are the people that we're going to put you in tr- touch with at realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're buying or selling a home, you need somebody that you can trust. These are all fans of the show, all been vetted by my team. They're the best in your area. They are experts at what they do. Realestateagentsitrust.com. When you're on your podcast app today, get the Glenn Beck Program podcast along with News and Why It Matters, Pat Gray Unleashed, even Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher, if, if you must. Oh, yikes.
This podcast is sponsored by simplysafe.com slash Glenn. I love doing commercials for Simply Safe because I have this system. In fact, I have it in my office even where we have a lot of collectibles. So when we lock up the doors on the weekend, we know nobody's going to, you know, steal the ruby slippers or the cup of a carpenter. Simply Safe is the best home security. They believe nothing should come between you and protecting your home. Simply Safe has created a system where you own the alarm system. So for $14.95 a month, they give you the 24/7 monitoring. It's all wireless so you don't have to worry about somebody cutting the lines or the power going out. All of it still works. Get a jump on protecting your home the Simply Safe way. Simplysafe.com/glen. G L E N N. No time like the present. This is how you protect your home and your stuff. Simplysafe.com/glen. Today I want to uh, share some things with you that we have shared on the Blaze TV and we ask for your subscription now at the Blaze TV. It costs you two cups of coffee a month and you're going to have the biggest and best voices uh, in the conservative movement right now. You have, you have Steven Crowder, you have my show, you have Eric Bowling, you have uh, Duck Dynasty guy, you've got... Uh, um, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've just, you've got a hundred different voices. Um, and especially all of the up and comers, the roaming millennial is, uh, with us. And she, I think she might be with us next hour. She's launching a new show. We, we've just got great stuff. More importantly, it is becoming, uh, very obvious that the only place you're going to be able to hear truth is behind a paywall, um, is on uh, platforms like this. Yesterday, uh, we found out that a monologue that I did on TV and we released on YouTube uh, was demonetized. Uh, so they are, they are silencing voices and making sure that we don't get paid for our work in every step of the, of the way. I'm going to tell you about Congresswoman Omar, who is now under a new controversy because she just said that she was um, uh, she thought that Barack Obama was a human. And Donald Trump was not. She then said that was taken out of context. This is why this is why I tape all of my interviews and she released it and then she deleted it right away because that's proved she she provided the proof. That's exactly what she said. Maybe she was just such a a young, struggling immigrant to this country. She doesn't understand the language. I want to tell you who she really is. And I'm going to break it up between today and tomorrow at this time. But let me let me start here. Here's this freshman freshman congresswoman that no one is willing to look into. There is a there's an electric fence around here. You cannot talk about her but when i when i said to my staff i want to really look into her and i want to see tell tell me who she is tell me where she came from etc etc we started uncovering things that are just uh beyond description strange um there are multiple multiple suspicious stories that the media has granted her a pass and they would never Grant this pass to anyone. I mean, even the average Democrat would not get away with these things. 
So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, about her and and where she came from today. We'll talk about her anti-Semitism and the heart of that on tomorrow's episode at this time. Now, the first stories that started to come out to question her came out from online bloggers back in 2016. Normally, I wouldn't go to an online blogger and say, hey, look at what this online blogger did. However, when you have no media, sometimes the online bloggers, if you check them out, have something and they have checked this out back in 2016 elon omar had uh, committed immigration fraud this was the charge that she had committed immigration fraud by marrying her brother to facilitate his arrival in the united states okay all right if it was from a blogger, I would I would look into it, but it doesn't help that, you know, it's like, OK, really? So she set um, her um, social media platforms to private immediately after that story broke and then deleted all of the alleged evidence that was used to prove the immigration fraud case. It was all up on her social media. And as soon as that came out, delete Okay, sounds suspicious, but the mainstream media wouldn't touch it. Not even the local Minnesota media would touch it. And you'll understand why by the end of this episode tomorrow. The Associated Press actually took this on. They were the only outlet. The Associated Press, not a slum outfit and currently uh, not a conservative outlet, to say the least. But when they asked Omar what was going on, she just said, quote, I choose not to further the narrative of those who oppose us, end quote. OK, well, I assume that you're saying that those are all lies, but it would be easy to prove them. So the AP asked Omar for her immigration records and birth certificates that would prove her denial. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, geez, a birth certificate thing. There was nothing with the Obama birth certificate. Can we stop with the birth certificates? And the fact that she said that her family's birth certificates were lost during the Somali Civil War, something that probably did happen and was true. So you're not going to base it on birth records. However, the immigration records, the things that should be open, you shouldn't have a problem with this at all. She refused to offer any of those up and a Freedom of Information Act request submitted by the Associated Press was sent back explaining the approval of the release had to be authorized by Omar and her husband and they won't sign off. Now, even Snopes, who's not really in the Donald Trump camp, classifying this not as true or false, but unproven. So let's recap. We have a credible case of immigration fraud by a U.S. representative. Um, and the alleged perpetrator has deleted the visual evidence, refuses to provide any evidence. The, the person who is, you know, under the microscope, she's gone radio silent on this issue ever since. And no one is looking into it. OK, I mean, you'd think that someone would, you know, at the New York Times or Washington Post, at least be curious. Why wouldn't the government open a probe? The Associated Press, according to the Associated Press, the Obama administration never started an investigation and the Trump administration hasn't started an investigation. OK, what else you got? Well, there's also evidence that Elon Omar committed perjury in court. 
Now, this is where it starts to fall into place. Um, When she filed for a divorce from her possible brother in 2017, Omar claimed that she hadn't seen or made contact with her husband since 2011. She said, I don't even know where my husband is or where he was. It's possible he was somewhere in London. Well, PJ Media uh, went to the Minnesota Family uh, Records Center and they verified that Omar officially submitted to the court that her last con- uh, contact with her husband was June 11, uh, 2011. So remember this. And she said, I haven't seen him since June 2011. And that's in her divorce rec- uh, records. So in the absence of any journalist doing any work on this at all, the Internet sleuths had to go to work. And they searched Omar's husband's last known location, which was London, right? She said, I haven't seen him, probably in London. So they searched to see if Omar had traveled there between 2011 and 2016. Oops, they found some photos on social media taken in London back in 2014. The picture is up on the screen now if you happen to be watching it is uh, taken in 2014. That's Elian Omar and her ex-husband or brother or whatever. So isn't that a pretty strong case for perjury? Case for law enforcement, at least to investigate the mainstream media to do some kind of looking into this. Give credit to the Associated Press. They're the only ones that at least ask Omar about this discrepancy. And she refused to address the situation. And Omar's husband, ex-husband, has uh, uh, declined any kind of response either. And by the way, the pictures, yeah, they're mysteriously been deleted. Now, there's one other thing. Omar has been accused by State Representative Steve Dreskowski of not one, but three campaign finance and ethics violations. The first allegation involves the use of $3,000 in campaign money that was spent on travel to Estonia and Boston. Now, Drakowski claims that these trips were personal in nature. And her response? It should be concerning to his constituents that he's using taxpayer dollars to harass a Muslim candidate. So, in other words, her defense is, I'm a Muslim. The second allegation is that Omar used over $2,000 in campaign finance to pay her lawyer for her divorce proceedings. Omar's response was basically, no, no, it was for something else. And no other explanation has been given. The third allegation is that she made ethics violations after accepting speaker fees from public colleges. Omar would later pay that money back, but... No apology? No, instead we got this. We recognize how these folks are deeply invested in stopping a progressive, black, Muslim, hijab-wearing, immigrant woman. Boy, intersectionality is working for her. We know these people are part of systems that have historically been disturbingly motivated to silence and discredit and dehumanize influencers who threaten the establishment. Now, it's really interesting that she would use dehumanize what does that mean these disturbingly uh, 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 what did she call them disturbingly motivated 
to discredit and silence and to dehumanize influencers. Let me see if I can explain to Omar what dehumanizing actually looks like from an interview in a hallway that she denies that's what she was saying until she released the video herself, apparently not listening to it, and realized, oh, crap, that's exactly what I said and deleted it. Here's the audio. Listen. Could you just set the record straight so we get your side of it? Do you think that President Obama is the same as President Absolutely Trump? not. That is silly to even think and equate the two. One is human, the other is... Is it true that you just think... One is human, one is clearly not. Hmm. Omar, I don't know how they do things in Somalia, but that is the the dictionary definition of dehumanizing someone to claim one is a person and because i disagree with him the other one is not but what is her real story where did she come from how's she been educated what who are her friends who was in her office last week just as the Democrats decided to change and say, no, 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 what we're going to say is it's anti-Semitism. It won't be related to her anti-Semitism, uh, but also anti-Muslim who was in her office as that decision was being made on tomorrow's episode. It's also on YouTube. You can watch it. Um, we didn't make any money off it. Why get paid for your work? Uh, we were demonetized yesterday because of this monologue. Again, an effort to silence us. You can watch it there. You can hear it here on tomorrow's broadcast, or you can always get it and support us at the Blaze uh, at blazetv.com. Blazetv.com. Use the promo code Beck and you'll save ten percent on your subscription. Tomorrow is some pretty revealing stuff. Um, let me talk to you a little bit about ZipRecruiter. U.S. small businesses in February went on a historic hiring binge, which is great. Job creation broke the 45-year record in February with a net addition of 0.5, uh, 0.52 workers per firm. That's pretty amazing. And uh, by the way, have you heard that? Job creation in February broke a 45-year record? Because I haven't heard that anywhere. I wonder why anybody has... I wonder why... Seems like it would be important yeah, to note. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But no, they're not the enemy of the, the American people. Uh, <laughs> finding the right employees. The most important factor to most businesses. I can't imagine, you know where it's not important. You've got to find the right person because they are the keeper of the flame. ZipRecruiter will help you. They will send your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, but then they have powerful matching technology that scans thousands of resumes and they find the people with the right experience and they invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss the right match. ZipRecruiter, so effective, 80% of employers get quality candidates through the site within the first day, most of those within the first hour. 
Right now, try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-C-K. Try it for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Did you see Hollywood and uh, how they are now willing to risk and go to jail for their kids to get them in the right school? Yeah, that's so so bizarre. That's a that's a society gone wrong right there. That no, no, no. It is another sign. I I believe yesterday uh, I hit it right. I think I said it on the TV show. This is a society that has gone insane. We are <laughs> yeah. truly insane now. If you think that Tucker Carlson and what he said in 2006 is is more dangerous than what is happening with socialism, the destruction of capitalism, what's happening in Venezuela. You are insane, truly insane. Am I the only person who thought when the scandal broke that, you know, what a, what a loving parent. I mean, they, they did a lot of work. They risked jail and put a million dollars in to get their kid into well, like USC. Really? I mean, that is a, that's, a kid, that's a parent that loves that kid. You can say what you want about him. Who is insane? But loves that kid. I'll tell you that. And a parent that is probably out at night talking about socialism, talking about how unfair things are, and yet they're doing that with their kids. (laughs) They were photoshopping pictures of the kids onto other athletes to prove that they had athletic activities, (laughs) and paying five hundred thousand dollars for people. To actually make sure that their kid got in. And now there's an opening in that market. I'll talk to you in a few years, Glad, when I've got my millions. We want to talk a little bit about Relief Factor. Um, Relief Factor uh, is a um, is just a great, can I even call it a medication? I don't even know. No, it's, probably not. It's, not, it's natural. Yeah, so. it's 100% natural. It was created by doctors, but it, it reduces inflammation in your body. I yeah. wish it would reduce the inflammation known as fat, but it doesn't. That's not inflammation, Glenn. Those are fat I'm cells sure from food uh, no, that I'm, you're eating. I, don't, mm-hmm. I do not think that ice cream has anything to do with it. No? No. Anyway, hmm. uh, reduce the inflammation in your body. It will actually help you uh, get out of pain. And it has me. You take it three times a day. Neck, shoulder, back, hip, knee, foot pain, whatever it is. Get rid of it. Try it for three weeks, the three-week quick start. It's nineteen ninety-five. It's dollar a day. The trial pack will it will let you know whether it's going to work or not. 70% of the people who take it go on to order month after month after month because it does work. It's Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. By the way, I just tweeted something, a very funny interview I did with my old partner, Vinny Penn, on WRKO yesterday. Uh, you don't you don't want to miss that. It's it's very funny. And about Stan Lee, believe it or not. <laughs> the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Censorship. Censorship. It's... It is happening now, and it's not just happening to members of the press or conservatives. It's happening for anybody who bucks the system, and it's only going to get worse. Now, we have Elizabeth Warren saying, we ought to break these big tech companies up. I don't think that's a good idea. Here's the problem with these big tech companies. They're in bed with the federal government. Get out of bed with these companies 
They should have no special perks, no special access, no special relationship, nothing. But what does the future look like? Well, we have um, an entrepreneur who says this is a real problem, wants you to know about it, and I think may disagree with me on breaking these companies up. We begin in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, tax season is ramping up. We are a month away from tax day. Oh, my gosh. The happiest day of the year, Stu. This is the day when we all feel charitable. <laughs> wow. Tax day. We get it. Oh, I feel so charitable. Every tax day, I think, you know what? It is, I feel, it's almost like 4th of July and Christmas wrapped into one <laughs> where you can feel warm and cuddly and patriotic. It also happens to be a day where... Uh, the people who are trying to take your information, cyber criminals, they love this. This is Christmas Day for them. LifeLock will detect a wide range of identity theft threats like your, to your Social Security number for sale on the dark web. Uh, they will uh, find you know, that your address has been taken. You're starting to open up new accounts over here. And nobody can monitor all transactions at all businesses. Um, but LifeLock does uncover the threats that you're going to miss. It's lifelock.com, lifelock.com. You need to protect yourself online, and one way to do that is with LifeLock. Use the promo code BECK, save 10% off your first year. It's lifelock.com, promo code BECK. Jeff. GC is uh, online with us. He has uh, he has uh, put a a a, a, a bunch of um, comments out on Twitter that I thought was uh, interesting. A Twitter thread. I'd like to elevate the way we talk about censorship uh, issues. Let me offer a few quick thoughts on language uh, around these issues. How I'm currently thinking about them. We thought we would get him on and have him lay it out for us. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hey, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Tell me, can you guide us through it all a, a, a logical way that we can um, have freedom of speech? Companies can be themselves and, you know, do what they feel is right uh, while still having freedom of speech and getting the government out of bed with these people. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's try to frame the discussion. I mean, first, we all care about freedom here, right? We want to live in a free society. The question is, what does it mean to live in a free society when there are these incredibly powerful tech companies and global services that have a ton of market share and that, you know, conceivably can kind of kick you off for any reason? Right. So that's the, that's what I'm wrestling with. I kind of come at this with this freedom libertarian type orientation. But I recognize that the issues are get a lot more complicated in this era. And so I've been trying to elevate the way we talk about these issues and just advance this dialogue because I think it's incredibly important to the future. So I'm really grateful to be on your show to talk about it. No, I I really appreciate it. We we do not have serious discussions uh, on this. We have a bunch of politicians throwing things back and forth. uh, And people are just, I, I think, on this issue, they just... They become outraged by it, and then they don't know what to do, so they just hook their wagon to some politician. And I don't think we're having a serious discussion about this in society. So where do we begin? 
Right. Well, I think, I mean, I think it begins with talking about it and trying to wrap our heads around it and, and understand what are the right questions to ask. And I think, you know, we've heard about, just to kind of poke at you a little bit, I mean, we, we've all heard about the Chinese social credit system where they're monitoring its citizens, and if the yes. citizens don't behave properly, they'll get demerits and they'll, they won't be able to take the train and stuff like that. Well, sure. in our society, a privatized version of totalitarianism is still totalitarianism. Like, yes. in, in some sense, we're evolving this American social credit system. So <laughs> hang on just a sec. My- when you say poke at me, you don't think I disagree, because I think China is building 1984. We're building Brave New World. It's the same thing. Exactly. It's just privatized. So maybe we don't disagree. But so I talk to my friends who are passionate Christians, and they care a lot about religious freedom. And I I generally support them. I I happen to be a gay guy. um, But like if Masterpiece doesn't want to sell me a cake for my fabulous wedding, Mm -hmm. that's no big deal. I can go to a different bake shop. Right, right. But if Amazon bans me from selling my books on Amazon for whatever reason, that's really devastating. Correct. However, however, there is and I agree with you, but that's where the discussion needs to be. They're a private company, but they're still a massive private company. So I agree with you 100 percent. We have to talk about that. But how do you balance the libertarian? You know, hey, it's still a private company with. So so it comes. so, So in my eyes, it comes down to market share and consumer choice. And I think like in the case of Christians. I ask them, what's going to happen when the SPLC labels you a Christian extremist because you don't like gay marriage, you don't support gay marriage, which in my book is fine. Like, I can respect that. Right. But what's going to happen when you refuse to bake my cake and then you get banned from Uber? <laughs> right? Like, right. What's going to happen? Like, those are two very different things. So for me, a lot of the discussion comes down to consumer choice. If, the, if there's a service that has a ton of market share, like Amazon just dominates book distribution, um, Uber dominates ride sharing. That is a different, that's a different phenomenon, or PayPal dominates online payments. That's a different dynamic than if I have lots of choice in the marketplace and there are like right. five bakeries in town and this one doesn't want to make me a fabulous cake, so I'll just go to a different one. So I think that's one one element uh, for us to think about. I, I think and another how do we element solve, is... Just, and how do we solve that? Two ways. One is, um, I think, having a broader conversation about political discrimination and religious discrimination in the commercial landscape, because we want to balance the ability for businesses to choose their customers, because that's part of their freedom, on the one hand. And yet, on the other hand, I think recognizing that with global services that have a ton of market share, like, maybe that's not okay. So, <laughs> like, so should they be able to ban me for wearing a MAGA hat? And, and I go to, should my bank be able to say, I don't want to serve you because you voted for Trump. Correct. Or should my airline be able to say, I, you're not allowed to fly on American airlines anymore because you voted for Trump. Right. Like that feels very wrong to me or my internet service. That may be different because they're a telecommunications app, but my cell phone or whatever could say, I don't want to serve you anymore because you're a Christian extremist. Like, that seems very problematic to me. Correct. Um, and I guess it is market share um, that uh, makes it so frightening. However, let me, let me push back on, from a libertarian uh, standpoint. 
if I create a company and I grow to be huge because there's nobody else that it was doing what I did, and why should I then have be punished um, as long as I'm not obstructing? See, this is uh, I'm tying myself in a knot here, Jeff, because the only thing <laughs> the only thing that I cannot solve on the capitalist system is really the de Tocqueville problem. He said in Democracy in America that at some point the rich will get so rich they will kick the door behind them and not allow anybody else through. And that's true. Now, not all rich people do that, but some do. I I talked to Ray Kurzweil and I said, what makes you think that Google is not going to just notice what I'm doing online and say, they're trying to build a competition to me, to Google, and just start banning them, start changing, you know, the information. Why wouldn't someone who is, uh, has a dark heart, you know, do that? And he said, because people won't. <laughs> like, you don't know people. People <laughs> will always do that kind of stuff. So I don't know when you have that much power and you don't have the the morals to, to, to underpinning of saying, you know, no, I don't want to screw people. I made it and somebody else can make it. And competition makes, will just make me stronger. I don't know how to solve that. Well, well, I think, I think, I think you are helping solve it by advancing the conversation. I think one angle, I think there are a lot of different angles. There's no one magic bullet, but I think antitrust is certainly part of the equation here and maybe reevaluating how we think about antitrust and at what point, you know, Elizabeth Warren proposed breaking up tech companies. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but that is one angle of, of kind of attack on these issues. And I just did an analysis of social media, you know, how much is social media impacting our democratic discourse? And what I found is that American use of social media is dominated by eight platforms. And Facebook-owned platforms, Facebook itself, Facebook also owns WhatsApp and Instagram, Mm -hmm. dominates about half of all social media activity Mm -hmm. among Americans. And then Google, (laughs) Google controls 90% of the search market. So imagine all the times that you're searching for information. And on top of that, they own YouTube, which is the most used social media and the dominant video sharing one. And they're an, a, a, an investor in Snapchat, which, as you know, is really popular, especially mm-hmm. among young people. So you, you look at the landscape and we have eight platforms with two companies controlling, um, you know, how we make sense of the world and filtering the information that we receive. Right. And social media is unique because it's participatory. It's not like we're sharing and creating information in addition to consuming it. Um, so what do so you th- what do you think of the <clears throat> what do you think of the argument uh, between platforms and uh, and publishers that they're trying to have it both ways? They have the protection of a platform because they could not survive. YouTube couldn't survive if they were going to be sued for everything anybody ever posted. Facebook couldn't survive. But that's a platform, and they have to say, I'm an editor, I'm a publisher, or I'm a platform. If you're a platform, you got to let it ride because you can't edit. Otherwise, you are responsible for the content because you're editing unless it's illegal. Why not just make them platforms or publishers 
and publishing is a total different set of rules and congratulations on that you're going to get sued all the time right well i think okay let's talk about policy and then politics because you're referring to section 230 yes which is what protects these platforms from getting sued for the content that they're searching so which seems uh, like indexes seems like that's the root of the problem well, but it gets more complicated because okay. let's be honest. Like, I think that I think threatening to revoke Section 230 pr- uh, protection is really effective political move saying, listen, we're going to pull this like we're not going to protect you anymore. If you're going to act like a, a, a publisher and tweak your algorithms and steer people to this politically biased information and 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 uh, disproportionately bias everything against conservatives like we're going to, so I think it works politically to threaten it in practice. I think it's a really bad policy that would basically destroy the internet. So I'm wow. not sure that's exactly, I'm not sure that's exactly the right approach. How would it destroy? Um, I, I, I want to understand. I'm not pushing well, back well, to be, well, if, I could, if I, I could, see, well, well, I think, I think what, I, if I could sue Google for anything that Google indexes, that's just going to be a nightmare. Correct. And I think so. So I think you're taking a grenade approach when, a smarter policy approach would be to to uh, a more surgical approach and maybe change the language of requirements around Section 230 and get in there and say, you know what, here's we recognize this thing is this protection's vital to the Internet, um, but we're going to tweak the language. And if we find that that you're having a disproportionate impact or bias against conservatives or against our Democratic anybody discourse, against anybody. Right, against anybody then then we're gonna uh so i think a more surgical approach to finessing that language and adding requirements might be a smarter approach than just yanking it i just didn't i just assumed that no one in their right mind would take that deal they would all back up and go okay 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 (laughs) okay because you're right it will it will shut everything down um, it it has that protection has to be provided because no company could handle it. Um, uh, and I just yeah. assume that they would all be wise enough to go, OK, we'll behave. I mean, the reality is these big platforms do have too many legal protections. So I do think that I don't want I'm not a big fan of you know lit- litigious culture. No, at all. But I do think that the, that they are overly protected and that we can finesse some of the language. So I think. When we look at policy solutions, looking at it more with a scalpel rather than a grenade is a much uh, smarter approach. I mean, I, I asked some friends what they thought made sense policy-wise, and, and they they specified with you know platforms with more than several million users, maybe that's when they should fall under certain requirements, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you have a global platform, yeah. that's different than having a local retail shop. Right. So. Okay, Um, Uh, Jeff, hang on. If you can hang on the phone, we want to continue our conversation because this matters to everyone because it's not just the right. The left is being censored as well, and it's not just celebrities or newsmakers. It is also you, and I'll give you an example of that coming up. First, American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, um, let me tell you. Let me tell you about American financing. Most prospective homeowners have blind spots when it comes to their mortgage needs. When it comes to shopping for a mortgage and coming up with a down payment, there are tons of options. Most of them designed to help the mortgage company and the underwriters, not you. 
This is why you have to have somebody who's working on salary, not working on kickbacks from the different banks or or underwriters. You need somebody who's on your side, and that's American Financing. Go to AmericanFinancing.net, and you will see the difference. You go ahead, go, go to some other mortgage company, shop around, go to American Financing, then go to other mortgage companies, and you will see the difference. AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440, 1-800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. We break for 10 seconds, station ID, and then back. We were talking, um, Jeff, about um, being demonetized, and um, I'm wondering how much of that is just from uh, companies, advertisers, saying, you know, we're Mercedes-Benz. I don't want anything political. I don't want anything that could be controversial. And them just not having different categories or levels and just saying, okay, no advertising because some advertisers don't want this. How much of it is that and how much of it is an agenda to silence? I definitely think there's an agenda to silence. I mean, look at you may be familiar with Sleeping Giants. That's the name of a left wing advocacy effort that basically tries to remove threatened advertisers who are advertising on Tucker Carlson's show or on Fox or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they pulled the plug on all of Breitbart's advertising or a lot of their algorithmic advertising. So it's pretty devastating for a lot of these businesses. And, and um, yeah, so I definitely think the advertising censorship issue is, is big and it's a, it's kind of a structural way to really take the uh, legs out from under conservative media. And, and they're winning on this front for sure. Uh, they are. How do we, how do we fight back without being them? Well, Glenn, I mean, <laughs> uh, I think we, we may have to be them. Uh, we, you know, I think conservatives like to be lofty and, and pretend like, you know, everything's good and, and wonderful in the world. And the left is taking this by any means necessary approach. Yeah. And, and that's a recipe for losing. And there's a sense in which conservatives are just kind of perpetual losing losers. Right. And so I think, I think part of, part of it is bringing the fight back to them, which isn't fun. Nobody likes playing that game. Um, but I think they only stop when they, when we force them to play it by their own rules, as Alinsky would say, right? Exactly. So I think right. that's, yeah. So I think that's one step is to, is to push back, take the offensive I think a second step is just to stop playing the game. What Tucker Carlson did the other night was phenomenal. When he said, no, I'm not going to let you shame me. No, Fox is standing by me. We're not going to be fired. Um, That is really powerful when people learn to just not take the bait with these outrage campaigns, Um, especially when they're fake, fake ones. Now with advertisers, it's complicated because, you know, Tucker Carlson's show still is losing advertisers. I'm not exactly sure what to do around that other than making our voices heard and felt with the advertisers and demonstrating to them that like, hey, this is uh, almost a mutually, ex- uh, we need to get in the mutually assured destruction mode where, yeah. where okay, 
we could play this game, but that's going to be a nightmare for advertisers when you're boycotting us and we're boycotting you and all this stuff, or we could just not play this game. And I think the only way to get to that position is by threatening the left back and saying, no, you know, homie, don't play that. We're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I, and, uh, and, and also I think one, one, one third step is getting our dollars together. AstraZeneca, if they're going to pull their ads from Tucker Carlson, you know, well, maybe that's not the best example because people need their meds. But <laughs> right, but like, <laughs> right. You know, pick your service if you're if you're going to like not advertise. We're going to boycott your service, and so getting organized to make them pay a price for that behavior is another another thing we can do. Jeff GC, can I ask you to come back and uh, maybe we'll have you come in and do a. A 90 minute sit down with a podcast because uh, I think you're right on the money and fascinating uh, perspective. Thank you, Jeff, for being on. You're listening to Glenn Beck. What do you think? Interesting stuff, yeah. We'll talk about it uh, uh, some more here after the bottom of the hour. Let me talk to you here about uh, Norton Security. Norton Security is something that we've all known for a very long time as a company that, that protects you, the user. That's why you can trust their new secure VPN. Now, um, secure VPN is something that most people don't know about now, but they will know about soon. It is the way to uh, protect yourself. People are following you. They're just not doing it in uh, in real life. They're following you online. Some of them are just collecting information for, uh, you know, business reasons. Some of them are doing it for nefarious reasons. Stop that with a secure VPN from Norton.com slash VPN. You download the app, you sign in once, and it, your phone and everything uh, is taken care of. Three thirty three a month if you sign up for a year. Norton VPN. Norton.com VPN. One way to protect conservative voices is to sign up to BlazeTV.com. Use the promo code BECK and save some money while you're doing it. I have the honor to introduce you to one of the best people I know. His name is Mike Rowe. The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. This is a great podcast that gives a unique take on American history. He explores everything from pop culture to politics, athletes to actors, history to Hollywood. It's called The Way I Heard It, and he shares stories for the curious mind with a short attention span. Each episode is 10 minutes or less about a famous person or an event that you know, filled with surprising facts that you likely didn't know start with episode 36 oh brother i mean you want to talk about a family divided by politics this story revolves around another presidential election about making america great again i love the big reveal at the end but i won't spoil it for you you'll love it go to micro.com slash podcast and listen and subscribe to the way i heard it that's m-i-k-e-r-o-w-e dot com slash podcast that's micro.com slash podcast so let me let me explain uh, the the real answer to censorship. Okay, what we're talking about is something different because the the technology has changed. It used to be that we all broadcasting was happening. Okay, that's not what's happening anymore. It's becoming more and more narrow. Broadcasting is something from you know a generation past it's not the future narrow casting is and it, what's interesting is it's not just 
out there. You go searching for it. Now, you would say, well, Facebook is different. It's just out there. Okay, let me compare Facebook to a movie theater. Because this is what is happening. This is why we're reacting the way we do. You go into a movie theater, and these kids are talking, and everybody's uncomfortable, but nobody is saying anything because nobody wants to be that person. You just don't want to get into trouble or something. And finally, you just snap, and you turn around and go, knock it off. Shut up. Some of us are trying to watch this movie. And used to get applause. Now everybody just kind of sits there quietly to see, like, are they going to get? They're going to shoot him? Are they going to shoot him? Okay, or call you a racist. Yeah, or call me a racist <laughs> why, or whatever. Yeah. And then you would walk out of the movie theater, and people silently would just look at you like, "Good job, dude. Good job." Okay, and you were frustrated for you. You weren't frustrated necessarily for everybody else. That did enter your mind. You're like, how is no one else standing up? Is everybody else just okay with this? And you known everybody else wasn't, but it was you. You were trying to watch the movie. And so you had to take a public mo- uh, 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 action to silence it because you wanted to watch the movie and others wouldn't do anything. That is a thing of the past. Now, imagine you're going into a movie theater and you can mute people. Okay, just like TV, you can just look around and take your remote control and go, boop, mute. You can be in a bar and somebody could just be an obnoxious pig. Boop, mute. You can't hear them. You can't see them. They're just gone. Sounds wonderful. Okay. It actually, I think, is an episode on the dark mirror. Yeah. Okay. Black mirror. Or yeah. black mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's, Facebook has that. Mm-hmm. Facebook has that. I use it all the time. Right. You just <laughs> mute people because you don't want to see it. You don't need to see it. But what happens is, is everybody becomes the movie theater police. I must stop it, not just for me, but for every person in the theater. It's not your job, dude. It's not your job. It's their job. They but, don't want to hear it. They can mute it. By, but what's happening is we can individually mute what we don't want to hear. But for power reasons, nobody is talking about that. Nobody's, nobody's saying, oh, by the way, you can mute this yourself if you don't want to hear it. No, because power reasons. Their people want to be the movie theater police. All you have to do is take care of it yourself. You already, we've done this in society forever. You're out of some place and everybody's talking like pigs and you just look at each other and you're like, let's get out of here. Okay, that's what you do. Except yeah. this time you don't have to leave. Right, for example, the Bubba the Love Sponge audience was not offended by what Tucker Carlson was saying. But Media Matters took it upon themselves to go back and make sure you were offended to 12 be years later. the movie theater exactly. police. After so unnecessary. going back and saying, you know, during Lord of Rings, these people were talking back there. Right. And you're me- like, okay, well, that happened during the Lord of the Rings, the first episode when it first came out. I wasn't even in the theater. I wouldn't have chosen to gone to that theater. I would have said something at the time, whatever it is. Right. I think that's that. That's an interesting part. I think, you know, I hesitate to just fully commit to this because I want to think it out all the way. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of it is because so many smart conservatives that I respect, it's not just crazy liberals saying these things like break up the tech companies. A lot of conservatives are on this bandwagon and they're saying this is a smart thing to do. 
and so I want to make sure I fully think it out. But I, Me I, too. I keep coming back to this idea that did we have a First Amendment before 2004 when effectively Facebook, Google, and YouTube banned every single person on the planet because they didn't exist? Well, we all had a First Amendment then. We never had. We don't have a right to to be able to put your thoughts, your free speech, on a particular website that someone else built. That is not your right. It's not your. It's not your right to be able to earn a living uh, on Facebook. It's it's their platform that they built with their money, and the fact that they allow you to go on there and use it, it's as a private company. It is it is really their prerogative. And I think you're right. When it comes to legal protections, there gets to be a somewhat of a sloppy line there. Um, and I would agree that the right thing for people to do, uh, these these sites to do, is to say, like, let everyone put whatever they want on these websites unless it's something illegal. And people should be able to mute and, you know, block speech that they don't like, et cetera, which they can do now. I think you should have control of your own algorithm. Yeah. I think you should be able to play with that algorithm and say, if I move it this direction, uh, what happens? What's my feed look like? I move yeah. it this direction. Let give people the control of what they want to hear. I, and I, These I, companies just don't trust people. I think it would be better if they did more of that. I think some of those tools already exist, like the mute button. You can block certain words. Yes, you can yes, do lots yes. of things. Like I example, for example, I've muted the word AOC because mm-hmm. I don't want to hear one word about what she says. It's just a bunch of nonsense. So if you go to... Uh, uh, Back up a little bit, though. Think of 1995, mm-hmm. right? Glenn's in broadcasting for many, many years already. I mean, got decades already. Shut up. Uh, he, <laughs> there are people out there that had thoughts, and they may those thoughts may have been important. They may have been better than yours or smarter than yours or funnier than yours, but you had a radio station, and they didn't. Were there Was their First Amendment right being violated? Like, they, there's a high call barrier of entry for them to get on the radio, right? And so to get a competitor, it was almost impossible. So they just didn't get on the radio. And were, did they not have First Amendment rights at that time? I think they did. This, it's really well, difficult for me to go down this monopoly road now because the cost, the barrier of entry is so low. Right, but you could, this is a, this you is... Could, you could create competitors to Twitter, to YouTube in your sleep. You can put a, 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 a you can put these things up, and you might say, "Well, then no one's going to see it." Well, you don't have a constitutionally right, a guaranteed right to an audience. Have you ever a constitutionally guaranteed right to say things, but, see, but not to the audience that they built on their site? But that's the deal. You had access to airwaves. You had to buy because they were limited. You well, had to buy. Newspapers. I know. Hang on. I know. Um, you had you had access to do those things, and then it was up to you as the person to use that in your personal way mm-hmm. to be able to um, express yourself. I think having a platform that is open to everybody so they can express themselves has been great for democracy, has been great for the capitalist system, and uh, I don't want to limit it in any way. It's like a phone. Mm-hmm. These these utilities, and I don't want them classified as utilities, but they, that's really what they are now. They're becoming public utilities. It's a phone line. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to say, oh, you can't have a phone. No, 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 you can't have access to a phone. Uh, and that's kind of what's happening now is this is this is a way oh. that people communicate. I'm sorry, you can't have access. Now, I'd, you, you should not be able to um, uh, increase my my audience or decrease my audience. I should have to do that on my own. Everyone should just be able to do who they are, be who they are, use it the way they want to use it. 
You're just going down a really. I mean, for example, if you're saying that you have, do you have a right to be able to go on? I don't think you have a right. That's not a God-given right. It should be something that's controlled by the government. No, whether they, because I'm with you. If people should be able to ban whoever they want off of their own feeds, correct. But But they should not have protection because if they do. Yeah. Yes, I think I agree with you on that. I, I think that there's a there there's a line, and I think probably. The line it, when it comes to legal protection is slightly is slightly different. But I mean, I think a lot of conservative uh, organizations complain about whether they should have access to this, uh, and and they they're mad about it, which I understand. But they don't have a right to it, and that is a that's a big that's a big difference. You know, you don't you, you can't demand that a company keeps you on there. If if like let's say I wanted to start a new social network, and the new social network caught up, and it was you know Stu's uh, new fast food treats and Philadelphia Eagles commentary dot com, <laughs> and just millions and millions of people inexplicably signed up for this. No, we're a crazy and, enough country to do it now. And people started saying, you know what? Here's a new kale treat, and you know what? Let me tell you something about the Kansas City Chiefs. And I said, no, you're all banned. Wouldn't I have the right to ban every single person? Yes, you would. It's my company. I yes, started it for a reason. Yes, you so would. So Facebook just says... Like, just, like, just like the Blaze does. But the Blaze is suable. So if I put up a site and I said, uh, you know, it's, I wanted to ban people because of the content, and they started posting things like the Lord of the Rings in full version, and they got a copyright, sued for copyright uh, you know, problems then I would not have... I would be a publisher, even though I'm allowing people to openly post. I'm going to be treated like a publisher. That doesn't make any sense either. Right? That's not? probably the nuance Jeff is no, no, talking no, no, about no, no, in the no, last no. interview. No. If you're a publisher and you do not edit people, then you, then you get the full protection. You say, I'm not responsible for what other people post. Mm-hmm. Okay, but So I, I can't pro- be sued. But I want specific content. If I'm doing then a site you, that's that, cooking tips and people right. see... Pro- pe- posting links to porn why can't i stop them if i'm a religious social network and people are then you're a publisher not not if it's a social network and other people are posting on it all well, the time i'm not then I'm not, you have to the, what you have to do is then you have to have the people read everything and say sorry reject sorry not going to do that I mean, sorry I suppose, not going to do that and if we go down that road too aren't we essentially guaranteeing just the internet as a right because then, I mean, if people, doesn't everyone suppose, I mean, this is something the left argues all the time, the fundamental right for people to access the internet, which somehow didn't exist until the internet came along. <laughs> this is a strange way to talk about a fundamental God-given right with something that didn't exist. But I mean, if you have a right to post on Facebook, certainly you have a right to the internet. Correct. I, Right. So and I don't, are you comfortable guaranteeing a right to the internet? I'm not. No. Write it in the Constitution if you want it. No, I don't think anybody has a right to the internet. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of talk around that where this is a First Amendment infringement. And just because Facebook has all the people on it doesn't mean that you get to post on it. You can post you can post on another network and it might have less audience, but you're not guaranteed an audience. Okay, let me uh, let me talk to you about a letter that came in, because I think a lot of people I'm going to run out of time. A lot of people don't realize how important the silencing of voices is 
Glenn, I was listening to your show um, about the issue of Tucker Carlson and what he's facing. I want to reach out and share my story. It's somewhat similar to what's happening to many people who are not towing the leftist line. A few weeks ago, I was offered a job with a company. It was very exciting. The position offered higher pay, more upward mobility than where I was currently working. The entire process from the interview to the job offer took about a month. The company contacted me in late January, asked if I would be interested in a position with them. I didn't not apply with them first they sought me out after five interviews i was offered the position on february 22nd the following monday february 25th i signed my job offer in the new company and i turned in my two weeks notice my new company was very interested in me starting earlier than two weeks and asked me to let me know let them know if my current job would make me work out the two weeks or not well they didn't make me work out the two weeks my last day was then was february 26th I let my new employer know that I'd be able to start earlier, and my new start date was to be March 4th rather than the 11th. I met with my new boss and my team that I would be working with on Wednesday. Everything seemed fine. Then, late Friday evening, March 1st, I received a phone call from the regional human resource manager stating that my job offer would have to be revoked because another employee there had Googled my name and gone on to my Facebook page. The uh, the HR manager said the employee had found some posts from back in October 2018 that violated their anti-bullying concerning the LGBTQ community. The HR manager read me the post, and I honestly didn't even remember them. But she turned. Uh, but the term she mentioned as being offensive is a term that is often used by people. I think was coined by Rush Limbaugh, a term Limbaugh that is is used uh, in describing transition surgery from male to female. I don't know what that term is. Uh, both of the posts the HR manager read to me were obviously only meant as a joke. I defended myself the best I could, but to no avail, as the HR manager repeatedly said there was nothing that could be done and advised that I apply for unemployment as soon as possible. I am not aware as to yet if I have been approved for unemployment or not, but I now have no employment because of them revoking their job offer and me having already left my other job. I have since made my Facebook page private. But one did not have to be on my page for longer than two seconds to see that I am a conservative. I believe this is why I was targeted until something was found that someone felt they could use against me. Like Tucker Carlson, everyday individuals are facing this kind of attack, and we are suffering greatly for it. I have no media platform for myself, which is why I'm reaching out to you to help get my story out. Conservative and independent thinkers must be on guard at all times in everything we say and do. We are under attack and the left is seeking whatever means necessary to destroy us. As in my case, where I no longer have employment and am struggling every day to find another job, I'm just one of the millions of Americans who live paycheck to paycheck. We are all the target. X-Chair is our sponsor this half hour. I think it's much more like a, a recliner. I mean, it's, it's, it's more comfortable. I could watch a movie in this at home oh, yeah. and be completely comfortable. Way cheaper than those uh, theater chairs, too. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And more comfortable, right? Don't you oh, think? Oh, way more comfortable. I mean, it, it the, sort of hugs the, you. It does. Get a little, get a little it hug. It does. It might mean that we're a little fat. Um, oh. But... Uh, 
Uh, they now make them in wider seats, by the way. Um, this is really comfortable. It's a great chair. Check it out for yourself. 844-4X-CHAIR. 844-4X-CHAIR. Or go to xchairbeck.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll get a free footrest. It's on sale now for 100 bucks. It's xchairbeck.com. 844-4X-CHAIR. You ever feel like you watch the news and you don't know your country anymore? Perhaps you actually do know your country. What you are watching doesn't feel right because it's a hoax, because it's not real. You're being led to believe this about America. An amazing revelation on the hate crime hoax coming up. Let me tell you uh, about Home Title Lock. Uh, Home Title Lock is... um, is really a service that only they can provide. Yeah, I mean, first of all, if you don't know anything about home title fraud, uh, con artists pick your house, then they assume the identity of the homeowner, then they transfer the deed of the house uh, to themselves or some fake name. They're able to sell, borrow against your equity. Equity, it's it's a real disaster. And you don't know until the late payments start showing up, the, the you know the notices, and then the the eviction a notice shows up and they're trying to repossess your house and you're like i didn't even take out a loan what are you talking about you haven't owned the house for a while home title lock will make sure that doesn't happen to you it's a nightmare if if your house has already been stolen you may not even know it get your free title scan at home title lock hundred dollar searches for free all you have to do is sign up now home protect yourself protect your family protect protect your mom and dad if they happen to own their house home of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, you know that feeling when you watch TV and you read the stories and you're like, I, 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 I don't even recognize my country anymore. I don't. This is not who we are. And you feel very alone? Well, maybe, maybe Americans are these haters and all these things are happening or perhaps a vast majority of them are hoaxes there is a professor of political science who has written a new book and has done the research examining all of these uh, hate crimes and he's come to a very interesting conclusion we go there in one minute This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, man, did you see, you know, the, remember the hate hoax we told you about last week? Remember that one, Stu, where the, uh, the, uh, the mayor of this town, this volunteer mayor of this town, I think it was in South Carolina, uh, said, somebody has spray-painted my car, and while there weren't any words on it, I know this is because I'm black, and right. blah, well, blah, they, blah. They did put that yellow, sticky stuff all over their cars, right. both of their cars, too, right. not her, just one of them. Yeah, her husband as well, mm-hmm. and several neighbors down the street yep. that had parked, you know. I assume because it's maybe a, a, a neighborhood of color? Don't know. Well, it was very yellow. Turns out that was all pollen. Oh, um, and uh, and you know the trees are very racist. We know. I mean, they they volunteered their use in several crosses that were burnt oh years and years ago. So terrible. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's that time of year. Though. It's that time of year <laughs> for uh, for pollen to do all kinds of hate crimes on you, your cars. <laughs> And your sinuses. Uh, right now, Houston is going over uh, a uh, an alert 
it is one of the uh, one of the worst cities for allergies this week. How can you deal with it? Have you changed your filter? Make sure you have a new HVAC filter. Get it from filterby.com right now. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to go to Home Depot. You don't have to do any of it. They'll deliver it. And if you put it on auto delivery, you'll get a new one every time you're supposed to change your filter. All right? It's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. Take the headache and the sneezing out of your life. Just have them sent to you by filterby.com. Dr. Will Riley is uh, with us now. Doctor, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? Very good. You should refer to me as a doctor as well. I'm, uh, of course, a doctor of humanities, which means I can operate on any portion of the body. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but... uh, Or or at least the mind. (laughs) Or none of it. Anyway, um, you are a real uh, professor, a doctor of political science, and you have uh, uh, looked through all of the hate crimes that have been reported over the, what, last 15 years? Well, uh, it's actually a closer time frame than that, or a narrower time frame. I mean, my book focuses in on really the last five years. Five years. Uh, my research window was 2012 to 2017, so I guess yeah. last six and a half years now. But yeah, what I find is that a very large number, I wouldn't say of all hate crimes, if you look at the allegation that someone had a word shouted at them outside a fraternity party and either mm-hmm. black or white individual, but a very large percentage of the high profile, widely reported recent hate crimes, more than half have been fake. So I mean, we saw Jussie Smollett uh, a couple weeks ago now, man claimed that he was beaten up at two o'clock in the morning in Chicago by two white bodybuilders with MAGA hats on. They turned out to be Nigerian that had a rope, a gallon bottle of bleach. Um, They chanted, build the wall. This is MAGA country. That turned out to be a complete fraud. He's currently facing 16 felony charges. Um, Literally a week before that, we saw Covington Catholic, where the claim was that this group of prep school athletes had surrounded a literal Native American Indian elder. I think he was a shaman. They chanted, build the wall. They tried to take his tribe's sacred rain drum. Um, And going back through a whole bunch of these, I mean, you've got Eastern Michigan, the graffiti incidents targeting African-American students, allegedly. Air Force Academy, where a general literally had to show up on campus and speak denouncing racism. A young black girl in Grand Rapids who claimed that boorish white men literally urinated on her. Pretty painful to read. Kean College with the death threats. Wisconsin Parkside with the nooses, uh, just a few more. But, I mean, UVA, the Virginia quote-unquote rape scandal a couple of years ago where the fraternities right. were allegedly running anti-feminist rape rings that made the front cover of Rolling Stone, kind of the OG scandal, Duke Lacrosse. All of these turned out to be fake. Um, and because I had personally had some connection with two fake hate crime incidents in Chicago as a graduate student, uh, one of the city's best-known sort of young hipster bars burned down, The owner said that this was because he was a gay man. That turned out to be false. I became interested in why there was this remarkably high rate of false reporting in this category. So, I mean, I think there's some good jokes and so on in the book, but I use (laughs) modern scientific technology to look into why. So what you found, um, I'll let you reveal, but it is... uh... It's very Saul Alinsky in a way. It's very progressive in a way. 
that um, people feel justified in doing it. Yeah, well, I think there, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, so I think there are a couple of levels there. The first is just that there are a very large number of hate crime hoaxes and frauds. This isn't as it's sometimes presented. Uh, I think there's an article in Vox, actually, after Jesse Smollett, just a few cases being amplified by the right. I mean, putting together hoaxes, I was able to fairly easily compile a data set of 409 confirmed hate crime hoaxes. Uh, that's currently up to 516. Jeez. Almost all of these occurred within the last five years. As I said, that data set's available to anyone who wants it, by the way. I've gone on a range of right and left media. I'm very confident in that. Would you? Would uh, you? Would you put, uh, what was the kid's name that was killed with the hoodie, you know, this could be my son? Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Would you put Trayvon Martin in that category? No, actually, I def- because I think this is something that will be challenged, not just in that public sector where I enjoy debating and arguing, but in academia, I defined a hate crime hoax very narrowly, actually. The data set easily could be three or four times as large as it is. Um, and I, ex- I especially didn't include most sexual assaults. There's a fairly high rate of false reporting there as well, especially on the campus. Uh, and I explicitly didn't include a lot of these police shootings. And the reason for that is that there was no filed charge of hate crime. The initial allegation was that this is a hate crime per se. But if you look at a bunch of those, like Michael Brown, that is, I would say, an additional example, a different type of example of a false created wow. narrative. If okay, you so- remember, hands up, don't shoot. Yes, uh, the gentle giant, he was walking away from the police. They mm-hmm. said he had tears on his face. Right. And he was shot down in cold blood. Uh, it turns out that Michael Brown had committed a strong-armed robbery of another person of color, sympathetic local store owner, well-liked, earlier that day. Uh, he came into conflict with the police because he was walking literally down the median of a busy street. Cop couldn't tolerate that, got out of his car to confront him. Brown grabbed the officer's gun. These are big men. I mean, Michael Brown was 17, 18, 6'5". Darren Wilson was 6'4". There's a vicious struggle. Brown's fingerprints are on the slide of the weapon, the trigger guard of the weapon. I mean, I'm a pistol instructor. I know what that means. Wilson finally discharged, I believe, two shots, and unfortunately, there's, there's a death. But the narr- many of those narratives, and this will be in my next book, actually, but many of these narratives that come out of the Black Lives Matter movement, and also the alt-right response to that, by the way, are, in addition, fictional. But those, those are not in this book. This is just about fake hate crimes, and there were more than enough to fill up a book. You know, I, I, I want to go deeper into this with you. I'm going to take a break for a minute. Um, but I have to ask you this. You're also a, uh, a, a gun instructor? Yeah, I'm a pistol instructor for the National Rifle Association. I also do uh, hand-to-hand combat martial arts. But, I mean, the, the-, the ability to kill your enemies is exactly equivalent to the right to be free. How the hell are you a professor? I mean, you are an oddball. You, what, what, how did you get that job? Well, or keep, let me say that. How did you keep that job? Well, there's, there's a funny answer there, and that's that I teach at a historically black college. Uh, political correctness, minorities, blacks and Asians, tend to vote for conservative but democratic political candidates. Vote heavily for the Democrats. I'd like to see that change so there's more valuation of your vote. But the entire far-left culture of outrage um, whether that's the trans movement, perhaps, or constant marches through campus against racism, that's to a large extent absent from the black colleges where everyone in leadership is an upper middle class black guy. So, I mean, I would say that probably 20 percent of our professors are conservatives. I would say I've gotten really no backlash about writing the book. So it is interesting to contrast that at Kentucky. Wow. State. Wow. It's interesting to contract that. 
with a primarily white institution of equivalent size and rank, where you'd be talking about Evergreen State, Portland State, Drake. Um, so, again, obviously heavily Democratic voters to some extent when we vote in the black community, but every single one of the most extreme, outraged leftists I've ever met is a privileged upper-middle-class white kid. So huh. I actually think that where I am teaching it, it's fairly accepted that I've written a right-leaning book. Hmm. All right. Hang on just a second. Take one minute uh, break. I want to tell you about our sponsor. It is Field of Greens. Field of Greens is the way... Uh, like, I'm not a vegetarian like Stu is. Mm. I mean, I love that of you, Stu. Oh, I'm a vegetarian that doesn't like vegetables. How, is that, how do you exist? Uh, what, well, do you eat? what do you eat? Largely cheese and sugar. <laughs> if I had to say that. I mean, sugar so you're is kind not, of a vegetable if you think about it. it I mean, it grows. grows. It's a plant. So, I Your mean, Honor, I'm telling you, man. Your Honor, it is a vegetable. <laughs> it's absolutely a vegetable. I just happen to smoke it. <laughs> You've never roasted any tomatoes or chilies or anything? Same thing, dude. Um, a field of greens is a way for you to get your fruits and uh, vegetables that you need every day, um, but you don't have to actually eat them, which... I like um, you can you could just uh, you know you could sprinkle it in food uh, you can mix it in whatever you're drinking it's just a teaspoonful and you just drop it dump it into the whatever you're drinking and and drink it back and you've got everything you need this is not a supplement this is the real nutrition this is the real stuff out of the food you'll see ingredients not supplement supplements facts. yeah yeah supplements mm-hmm. are things that you know it's like rhino horn. You drink that, and it uh, shuts your kidneys down. This is the real stuff. All right? BrickhouseGlenn.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Get 15% off of your, uh, your first order of Field of Greens at BrickhouseGlenn.com. Promo code Glenn. We break for 10 seconds. Station ID. Professor of Political Science, uh, Dr. Uh, Will Riley, he is the author of Hate Crime Hoax. Um, so tell me, tell me, Will, why um, uh, people are doing this at such a great rate. That's a great question. I think that there are two uh, real reasons you could discuss. First, at the individual level, uh, I have a law degree as well as a Ph.D., and I've always found that people commit crimes for sort of tawdry personal reasons, money, sex, local notoriety. You see that at the individual level with hate crime hoaxers as well. Uh, so, for example, there was a case involving the business Cottonelle Spices Cash and Carry, which was a Muslim Arab American owned business. The owner burnt this to the ground essentially to commit an act of insurance fraud and wrote things like Arab go home throughout the business, which he thought would speed up the insurance investigation and make him sympathetic. And that was, that was nearly successful. So that is one level of motivation. At the next level of motivation, though, the reason these cases get famous is that you have an extraordinarily entrenched grievance industry in the USA. And they have a problem economically because at this point in history, the demand for bigots greatly exceeds the supply. So in entire areas of U.S. public life, whether that's affirmative action, 
uh, minority set-asides. I mean, you might be interested to know I could buy a radio station uh, at about half price. Um, whether that's the budgets for the massive activist groups, uh, I always mention when I speak, Southern Poverty Law Center's endowment is up to $432 million as of last year. Yeah, that's actually slightly more than my university, which is a state institution. I mean, that's just below the Ivy League in terms of endowments. I mean, that's something very different from current liquid capital. And it is, but, um, it is clearly, clearly an organ of the left. Well, yeah, I think that's you've seen that pretty recently where fairly mainstream groups, Quilliam Foundation, Family Research Council, certainly conservative. But I think they were added to the list because of their views on uh, LGBT yeah. rights. But, I mean, very mainstream groups, sort of center-right entity like Quilliam, have been declared hate groups, and they've begun to sue. I mean, Quilliam was awarded $3 million, uh, very recently, and I, I agree with that verdict from yeah. a legal background. Yeah. But essentially, the justification for the existence of this entire substructure of society, where, you know, $1 in 12 interacts in some way with an affirmative action program, we say in business, or SPLC has a half-billion-dollar endowment, the justification is that we're still at war here in the USA. There's still violent racial abuse uh, fairly frequently at a fairly high level. And we find empirically that that is not true. Um, the USA desegregated in 1954. At that time, the only remaining legally segregated region of the country was the Deep South. Uh, Civil Rights Act 1965 made racism criminally and civilly illegal. Pro-minority affirmative action, which didn't hurt me when I was applying to law school, began in 1967. It's 52 years old. So, in fact, it takes a lot of effort to come up with enough bigotry to justify all of this. And where none can be found, some might have to be invented. So have you found a coordinated effort or like 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 small yet? Um I don't know what his motivation was. Some say it was for his profile or show or whatever. But I I believe there are a lot of people that believe that this this stuff is happening and we know it. We just have to get out and make the case. And because it's all unreported or because of that, I'm justified in in creating this because it gets the word out. Well, I. I think there are two levels of analysis there. So first of all, although I view them as political opponents, uh, you know, the other team, obviously the SPLC isn't you know, out there faking hate crimes. But are individuals falsifying hate crimes because they believe that they are contributing, because they believe that they are falsifying something that frequently occurs in reality? Absolutely, yes. Um, we saw a case at the University of Michigan where a young woman, Haley Bass, claimed that she was brutally attacked because she was wearing pins symbolizing American and European conservative causes. Turned out to be a fake and sympathetic character. There's no reason to even discuss that in great depth. But the motivator for her doing this was another claim on the Michigan campus that a hijabi Muslim woman had been threatened with a beating and was being set on fire if she didn't take off her hijab. And that turned out to be fake. And the case that inspired that one turned out to be fake. Hmm. So, yeah. I think that there very definitely is, at the individual level, a narrative of, I'm fighting for social justice by doing this. I think that the more dangerous or influential level there, though, occurs when you start talking about the media or about discursive creators. So, I mean, there's a very old line from Mark Twain, it's always a problem to pick a fight with people that buy ink by the barrel. Mm -hmm. And you can add, have, you know, professional video and movie cameras to that today. Mm -hmm. So many of the things that are presented to the average American taxpayer by the MSM, the center-left mass media, are not real. And I talk about this in the book, actually. You brought up Black Lives Matter. 
I hadn't seen this done by anyone but Heather McDonald, who is an actual scientist. So I used resources like killedbypolice.net to find out how many brothers, how many African-American men were actually being killed by police in a typical year. And it turns out to be a tiny infinitesimal number. Um, in the year I used, 2015, there were less than 1,200 people killed by police in any way, including auto wrecks in the whole country. Of those, only 258 were African-American. Of those, only 200 were actually killed by violence, and so on down the line. So what you finally wound up with was, and my numbers might be off by one or two, but 17 unarmed black men in the country of 350 million people were killed specifically by white police officers. The reason we think this is a narrative is that every single one of those cases is going to be broadcast by media resources like CNN and MSNBC. And this kind of narrative creation occurs in a lot of different arenas. Uh, for example, so interracial crime is something that people with PhDs in the media sector have found attracts the attention of all major races. It's clickbait, if you will. But the problem here is that interracial crime itself is not a problem in the United States. Uh, if you look at murder, 85% of white murder victims, 94% of black murder victims, that's unbelievable, are killed by people of the same race. A uh, person most likely to kill you is your ex-wife. Further, when murder does occur interracially or when crime occurs interracially, that's about 70-plus percent black on white, not vice versa. So to get this entire narrative of whites frequently attacking law-abiding middle-class black people, you essentially are taking a tiny number of cases and either exaggerating them wildly or simply repeating the same stories over and over. And that's what I mean by narrative creation. So, um, first of all, let me tell you what I got out of uh, that. And I got a lot. But the main thing was um, kill your ex-wife before she kills you. Um, the, Definitely. You, the, you hit on the high point. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> uh, you're just... Your how do you respond to... You're just somebody that is, you know, another white racist that is trying to cover the tracks uh, of of, you know, your, you know, your uh, your the, your masters that are pulling your strings. Oh, Glenn, I mean, you kind of gave me a softball. There. The quickest answer is that I'm black. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, uh, <laughs> being uh, being a bit less glib, I mean, I'm a pro black black professor at a you know, nationally respected black college. I mean, there's still 130-odd HBCUs that rank pretty well among the nation's colleges. So, no, I'm not a racist at all. And I think the, the labeling in the U.S., this is actually something that goes beyond partisanship, the sort of Internet troll culture that spread out of 4chan, where any liberal debater is, you know, a damn red commie and any conservative debater is a racist. I don't think that's really productive at all. No, I'm center-right politically. I am not racist i'm not caucasian for that matter so i think that if you're a normal taxpayer and someone comes up to you and says you're a racist the default response should be you're a bleeping idiot it shouldn't be (laughs) it shouldn't be an attempt to defend yourself like i mean i played high school varsity sports with mostly black teams have a lot of black buddies because i'm black i wouldn't say that at all i I would just say you're an idiot i would I would love to have you back and talk some more. You are very funny and well-informed and have a message that America needs to hear. The name of the book is Hate Crime Hoax. You're listening to Glenn Beck. That's some real meat uh, on the bone to help you argue uh, with your friends. All right. um, Let me uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Simply Safe Home Security. You don't find success stories like uh, Simply Safe where they are. 
They are committed to their product. They're committed to their vision, and they're committed to you. They really think about you as a customer. They will protect your home 24-7 with no hidden fees or contracts. It's $14.99 a month. You get all the monitoring. This is why they're the fastest-growing home security company in the U.S., now protecting over 3 million people. But they still run it like a small company. They still care about you, the individual uh, customer. And they're going to save you a buttload of money, no contracts. Please protect your home. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get 10% off right now. It's SimplySafeBeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. The issue of life is something we've been talking about quite a bit lately uh, on the early side of it. Uh, but that's not the only place it's being attacked. On Glenn TV tonight, we get into the other part of it. It's just as bad. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm breaking a, what, about an 18-year tradition uh, this weekend of avoiding Tony Robbins. <laughs> Tony Robbins. The motivational speaker. Yeah, the... I watched him like 18 years ago, something like that. And I was like, man, that guy, this guy is great. This guy is great. And I was so excited when I watched him and I ordered that stupid, you know, 39 set CD yeah. DVD thing. To get yourself motivated. It arrived. Cost me. I don't know how much it cost me. It arrived. I never had the motivation to open it. I really, I was like, oh, all right. I'd like to open it, but mm. well, it's not really your fault. They should put a, a message on the outside of the box that gets you motivated to open the box. I mean, that's really Tony's fault. I agree. Like if they they needed Here's a recorded a, message that just constantly plays once it gets delivered. So I called him. You like, can open this box. You can do it. <laughs> you know, something like that. So I called him a couple of years ago and I'm like, Tony, 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 I just need some motivation. And he's like, dude. Come on out. I'm in Hawaii. Just come on out to the house. We'll spend a couple of days, get you tuned up. And I was like, all right. I hung up and I'm like, eh, ow. <laughs> so you weren't even motivated to show up to Hawaii? No, I was motivated to show up to Hawaii, but I, and then he's going to make me do stuff. And it's like, ah, and I got to go do things and I got to <laughs> change my life. And so then. I didn't call him back, and then he called me like six months later, and he's like, dude, okay, I'm going to be in California. That's closer. Why don't you come come see me in California? Come mm-hmm. to California. I didn't even answer that phone call. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now he had a friend call last week, a friend of mine and a friend of his, who said, Tony wants to see you. And I'm like, uh, I, you know, my schedule is so busy. I just don't know if I can... And he's and he kept talking about it and talking about it. And he's like, look, I'm going to bring my son. You bring your son. And I, I'm like, my son needs motivation. Why don't you just take my son and I'll stay home. And uh, and so he got me with the son thing. And I'm like, OK, so now I'm going tomorrow to spend three days with Tony Robbins. And I mean, he's got his work cut out for him because I really it's weird because I'm so. I want to be, it's, have you ever been to a place like anything? If you've ever like, you want to stop drinking not tomorrow. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. That's you want to stop. You want to get, you want to be thin, but tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. Uh, you, you know, it's like, I really want motivation, but not now I'm too busy. I'm tired. Yeah. 
You know this, is like a, this is a situation where like you bump into your doctor in the grocery store and they say, dude, that, what's that big bump on your neck? That looks like a tumor. You should come in and see me right away. And you're like, oh, but if I go, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna, they're going to talk to me about tumor. I'm going to have to stop smoking. I'm going to have to, uh, you stop know, I'm going to have like, surgery I mean, or something. Geez. I don't want to deal with that. So even though I know I have an issue that I want to solve, yeah. I don't want to actually solve I mean, what's it. really horrible is I pursued Tony. I, I called Tony right. and I'm like, Tony, I really, and he's like, dude. Yeah, I'll help you, man. That's easy. Let's go. And I wonder That's how crazy. many. I wonder how many people are like that with Tony. Because you know, I, I, I want to be around a bunch of people who are like, "Hey, I'm energized." Shush. Too much energy. <laughs> yeah, you know no, what I, I mean. It's like like a morning people. Yeah, when, he's kind of like a constant morning person. Yeah, it's like Tony. Can we get a? Can, when do we? I'm motivated to take a nap. When are we going to take a nap? It'd be really funny if you got out there and he was just like lounging around on this couch all day. He's like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm just in my boxers. He doesn't even get dressed when he comes to the door. Look, here's the deal. Just, uh, <laughs> just go home and do what you were doing before and just be Look, cool with it. Just this is this is just an excuse for the wife. Tell her he came yeah. out here and he got motivated. Let's just watch right. Netflix. That like that. I'm cool with that. That would be a cool. By way. the way, I saw. I was very motivated to see the Ricky Gervais uh, show on Netflix. Very oh, motivated. The, yeah, there's a new one, right? What's the name? Um, uh, after death, after after life, after, after life. life. It is so good. Really, it is so good. Now, I want you to know that it's English, and they use the c word there, but the c word doesn't mean the same thing <laughs> there as it does here. Okay, that should have been Tucker Carlson's defense. Right, right. <laughs> I'm English, well, he, I swear. I, I don't think he used the c word. Oh, yeah, oh, did, did he? That was part of the tape. Okay. Um, anyway, but they use it, they use it in a different way. It's not, it doesn't mean the same. Uh, I think, he, I honestly think he used it in that way. What is it? What does Who? it actually mean? Uh, Tucker Carlson. What does it mean in, in Great Britain? Uh, where's Craig? Somebody don't, get no, Craig. don't, no, no, he'll still say it. We can't no, just he say won't the word. Say it. He won't, but he'll tell you what it was. Cause I asked him, I, I'm like, what is your deal? He's Craig is my new assistant. Uh, and, uh, he is from Scotland. Yes, and uh, and and I and I just asked him at one point, "What is your deal?" Meaning, you people that lived on that island, mm-hmm. what is your deal with the use of the c word? And he's like, "It's crazy." He's like, "It's just it's what we call blokes," you know. He's like, "That's that's we that's what we call each other." He said, "It's not like it is here," and I'm like. Well, it is here. And he's like, oh, no, I learned that quickly, <laughs> quickly not to use that word. Oh, that's that's tremendous. Because they yeah. also have the, the F word sla- uh, slur for gays. But that means cigarettes. That means c- cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that's a, that can be a real problem. Cultural can be a, can be a problem if, if, you know, there might be like some country in you know in the world where like the n-word means you know cereal and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like that would be it's a weird. real problem if right. you came over to visit right so it, but it, what this show is i have never seen a show like this and this is truly an example of the golden age of television mm-hmm. um it, there's no network that would have ever allowed this to go on not not because of just the language which is strong at times um but because it's real it really is real it starts out with this guy who uh lost his wife um and she died of cancer 
and they were and that's Ricky Gervais. It's his wife. And he's just devastated. He loved her, you know, uh, like like nobody like I love Tanya just crushed without her. Okay, and so he's really depressed and and suicidal and just is like, you know, he's decided, why am I accepting any social norms? And these aren't funny social norms. I mean, he is in the first episode. He is so dark. He's just (laughs) telling people. Uh, you know, hey, you've got a great opportunity. No, you don't. Life is horrible. People are horrible. They're a virus. It would be better if everyone was dead. I'm thinking about killing myself. I thought about it this morning. I might just go upstairs and throw myself off the building, and I mean it. And you're like, okay. Uh, and so he's really dark. And the way the show is, it's only five or six episodes, and it shows him healing and it shows him figuring out, no, wait, it's not about me. And because he's an atheist and he's like, you know, well, I don't I'm not living. I'd, I'd rather be nowhere than here without her. And, uh, you know, I don't believe in God, so I don't have to be nice to anybody. I don't have to do anything. I can just die tomorrow and I'm going to the same place and I'd rather die. And it shows it, it, through this series of people that he meets and friends and, and, and things that he does, how he gets through that. And by the really, in the, by the second episode, you love this character. And, and it's not, you know. And he's not likable. It's, is it all serious? Is it just no. a drama? Or is so it like the a first dark one is the first one. It said it's comedy. In the first one, I watched the first episode. I'm like, that wasn't funny. And then the second one was like. That had some funny parts. And the third one, uh, this is getting funny. Fourth one, the fifth one, which is the one is six episodes. The fifth one I watched last night with Tanya. I love listening to my wife laugh. It is my favorite thing in the whole world. You, it, I, what heaven will be to me is Tanya laughing. I just love it she has the funniest laugh and i love it when she's happy and you lost the ability to make her laugh approximately 20 years ago no but i gained it last night Mm. i said honey 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 come here you have to you have to watch this scene and it was a scene that we laughed so hard she couldn't breathe (laughs) i couldn't breathe and when we caught our breath i said let's watch it again and she was like no no i heard i heard and then we watched it again it was hysterical one of the funniest things i have seen in a, a forever, forever, you will love this. Oh, I'm not, it, it, you sold me. I have to watch this. Now. It is. It is. Uh, it's an atheist. Just want to warn you going in. If you're somebody who's like, I don't like atheists. Well, you're not going to like this show. Then if you if you can't handle rough language, it's very rough uh, language. If you don't like darkness and I don't mean darkness like an evil, I mean, they deal with i mean he starts taking heroin he's like why not why not i've never tried heroin i thought the same thing this morning why not i've never (laughs) tried it it's probably great people seem to really like it want some anyway uh (laughs) um uh the you know it's 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 a rough yeah it's yeah it's it's a a rough show but it is really good ricky gervais is brilliant. If you could just give this cell to Tony Robbins, there's no way you're doing any work this week. See, I'm done. You just know. be like, dude, <gasps> we can watch this. It's great. You've got to see it, Tony. And give him the whole cell. I wonder who's better at selling him or me. I uh, tell you what, Tony, <laughs> by the end of the week, I'll either be walking on the coals 
or you'll be watching Ricky Gervais with me. <laughs> I think there's a chance that he turns out this weekend and is just never motivated again. Like wonder, he ruined his entire career because he just becomes a sloth like you. I have to call him banana hands, and I haven't done that yet. And 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 I hope that I mean he's six seven. Do I risk the? No, oh, he'll kill you. But hey, that'll be funny. Hands. It was it was in a movie he was called Banana Hands. Yeah, where, oh yeah, brilliant. It was controlled script environment. You'll get killed. Right? You think so? Yeah. I mean, he mm-hmm. seems like he, you know, he's got a sense of humor. Oh well, yeah, find right. out. I, you should try it. Definitely. I'm going You'd to. I'm going to say. Good, this is what I'm going to say because we've not met each other. We've talked to each other, but we've not met each other. And that's how I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to walk right up to him, put my hand out, banana hands, mm-hmm. and then see how it goes from there. I bet. Well, uh, you should you definitely so? try it, and also have it filmed. Just yeah, how to, much? How much? I, I, I mean, what are the odds that I don't do that, Stu? Yeah, you probably will, because that yeah. you're thinking it might get you out of the weekend. I'm just saying. I am just saying. All right. Um, Let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Goldline. Goldline uh, would like to remind you that Venezuela is happening. Just a few short years ago, people were not starving to death. People had food. People had water. Have you seen what they're doing now? They are literally taking bottles from bottles of water and putting them in the streets in the mud puddles i mean what these people these poor people are going through right now is horrendous there is no money there is there's no power there's no water there's no sewage there's nothing please it was just five years ago that everything was a utopia We know that we're on the same kinds of tracks. Hopefully, we never get there. But I'm telling you, this system could break down quickly, especially with the people that are running and are elected now to Congress and are running for president of the United States. Uh, Would you please consider calling Goldline and finding out if it's right for you or your family? They have just released the 2019 version of the legal tender bar, which has 10 individual one-tenth of an ounce pure gold bullion legal tender bars from the Canadian Mint in a new credit card barter case. It slides open for easy access and use. This is something that you just keep with you in case things ever go crazy. You have something. Please consider this. Goldline, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. If you missed any of the show today, we have it available on podcast, an hour version, and the three-hour show. Uh, And you can get it just by subscribing uh, to wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, please rate and review. That helps other people discover it. Today's show, if you missed it, we did a lot on... uh, Uh, Congresswoman Omar, something that now has been uh, demonetized on YouTube that we just posted. Uh, You need to share it with some friends. We shared that with you. Part one today, part two tomorrow. Uh, Also, we had a lot of conversation about freedom of speech today and what is freedom of speech and how are we how are we empowering those who are are stopping freedom of speech? Uh, well, we looked at uh, we've looked at media matters a little bit the last couple of days because of the Tucker Carlson story. Daily Caller decided to go back and look at uh, what was the head of media matters writing at the time Tucker Carlson was going on Bubba the Love Sponge. Oh. Like, what what were his words like at that point? Apparently, he had a blog. Uh, you know, and he's not a person who's known for really anything, um, but he had a blog, uh, and he wrote about. Um, how uh, derogatory ter- uh, uh, references to trannies, uh, 
uh, jewelry. Oh, my gosh. Not jewelry, but jewelry. Um, and Bangladeshis. Uh, he said uh, he couldn't believe that uh, they would use the word attractive in describing someone who was from Bangladesh. He said uh, that he called, he wrote uh, about the, an author, is that writer a tranny lover? Um, he went on to say that people who um, sh- should go, should stay away from tranny bars and stay away from places where Eddie Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. are visiting. Don't effing kiss a transvestite and don't bring a group of transvestites back to your room. Um, he went on and on and, and, and also called, uh, people from Japan Japs. Oh my gosh. Uh, yep. Uh, so of course this is exactly, and this is part of a strategy. It's bigger than just him being as bad as he is. And he obviously not, not a good guy, but this is why you put a giant zilch in front of one of these, uh, on top of one of these organizations, because there's no loss. Right, it's why ter- it's why terrorists put on you know they put uh, vests not on Osama bin Laden but on some dolt down the street so they can walk out there and blow themselves up to do the damage. That's the theory behind media matters. It's why David Brock isn't there anymore. Right. He's doing other stuff. He's living the high life, and he puts dolts like this in this position of power so that if he gets taken out, it doesn't matter. It's essentially a terrorist attack. He blows himself up with a suicide vest. He blows himself up with a suicide and vest. And you know what's amazing is there's been no pushback on him. I bet you he still is that guy. I bet he's still that guy. Because yes, you're right. He doesn't have any he doesn't have anybody pushing back on him. You're listening to Glenn Beck.